If you have a Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, uh, just download version on, on your phone. I read out of the New Living Translation. So I'm in this series uh, called The Road to a Promise. And the idea of this series is that Mary and Joseph have been given a promise. So if you're new to church, uh, you might not be familiar with the story, the Christmas story. And the idea in what happened was that there had been this promise given to the people of Israel that a Messiah was to come. Not only for the people of Israel, but for us, a Savior would come. And Mary and Joseph were chosen. They gave birth to that promise. Talked about that a little bit last week, the birth of a promise. Uh, And now they're caring for this promise. And we're looking at Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, there were three specific roads that Mary and Joseph had to travel. Last week was the road to Bethlehem and the birth of a promise. Today, I want to I talk to you out of Luke chapter 2 about the road to Jerusalem and the process of a promise. So go with me now to Luke chapter 2, because these same three roads that Mary and Joseph had to travel, guess what? You're going to have to travel them. I'm going to have to travel them. So we're going to go to verse 21. I'm only going to read a couple verses here. And this is out of the New Living Translation. It says, eight days later... When the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now let me stop real quick here and let me just grab a hold of what's happening here. If you were here last Sunday, I was really talking about how Luke, when he wrote this account, he purposely, in the beginning of chapter 2, if you remember that when you were here, that he, he used the name of Mary, he used the name of Jesus, and he said, this is Mary's son. He talked about it being Mary's son. didn't say anything about God's son. He was talking about Mary, and now you see a shift. You don't even hear Mary or Joseph's name mentioned here, and now all, all of a sudden it's talking about the Lord. And so I want you to see the shift. This is the shift that's going to take place in your promise. It's got to go from me to him, okay? And that's what's happening here. And so it says, verse 23, the the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. God, in this moment now, we come to submit our hearts to you first and ask that you would speak to us. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus today, no matter where you're at, you can just say, all right, God, I'm open. Speak to me. And to pray for me as your pastor, I want to be so faithful and do my due diligence in presenting the scripture in a way that we all leave transformed. And may it all be for God's glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right, you can be seated. Does anybody here like to paint? Like you like rolling that paint, you like painting rooms, anybody like that? We got, okay, a couple of you. You're sick, we're going to pray for you, okay? That is. How many of you, when you think about painting a room in your house, no, 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 no. Raise your hand, non-painters, come on, non-painters. All right, most of you, okay, how many of you are awake and even listening to me right now because I've only got like fourth, okay, half of you aren't even raising your hand. Love it, all right. Good start to the second service. Okay. Uh, I, I fall in the don't like paint category. I, I do not like to paint. And so this past summer, I decided to take on a project that I was going to repaint the kids' bathroom. The only problem was that the bathroom had 
wallpaper in it. Yeah, you're feeling my pain, aren't you? And, and, and it was nice. It was, it, was, it was decent wallpaper. It was cute. It was Noah's Ark. Huh? How about that? It was cute. It was Noah's Ark. And I know some of you right now, you're like, oh, our pastor is so spiritual. He had Noah's Ark up in his kid's bathroom. I bet you he has loaves and fishes wallpaper in the kitchen. I know he does. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, in fact, actually, this wallpaper has been up even before we moved in. Any of you got testify to that? You got wallpaper that's still up? Okay, some in the back. Yeah, you got that wallpaper that's still up. Over 15, this, over 15 years, this wallpaper has been up so long, I swear to you, I think Noah's wife put it up. That's how long I'm here all, I'm here all day. Come on now. I mean, it's like the ark is sinking. It was in really bad shape. And my kids actually created this project for me because it, start, it was in the bathroom, so it started kind of peeling from, from the wall. And so they were like, oh, this looks like fun. <laughs> Thanks, kids. Appreciate that. So I, I'm standing there to begin this project, and I, I had this thought that we all have, and that is this. You know, I could just paint right over it. <laughs> you ever had that thought? I'll just paint right over it. But you know that's a bad idea, right? Like you're like, but you're like, I know it's a bad idea, but maybe my wife won't know I did it. You know, you're just like I, and and I just you go, oh, because it's such a grueling process to take that wallpaper down. But you know you can't skip that important step. So as you think about the promise that God has has given to you. Many of you have awakened to that that promise. That promise has been birthed into you. You've embraced your promise. In fact, not only have you embraced it, but really you can visualize it. You can visualize that that promise coming to fruition in your life. For example, if you're believing God for the healing of a relationship that is at odds right now, you have this vision in your mind, though, of there being peace and, and unity and and, and laughter once again in, in that relationship. Uh, maybe your promise, as we talked about last week, maybe your promise is you're single and you're believing God for the right man or, or the right woman to, to come along in your life. And, and you're, just, you're not getting the right man or the right woman, but you have this, this picture in your mind that that, that person is going to come. You visualize it, or maybe it has to do with, with a career or, or, or a promotion, and you see it in, in your mind, and you see yourself doing that, or maybe you see yourself visualize, I'm walking across that stage, and I'm moving the tassel, and I've got the diploma. I mean, you visualize it. Or maybe it's your finances. I know for, for many of you, the promise you're believing God for is financial freedom in 2018. Could I have some financial freedom? And you visualize that in your mind of what it would look like. Can you imagine paying off that last credit card payment? Can I get an amen on that? Okay, five of you are in debt. The rest of you are doing great. All right. That means we're going to have a smoking Christmas offering. I'm excited now. Or maybe like Mary and Joseph, you, you are believing God for a child. You're hoping and believing, and you see the picture in your mind of, of holding that child. Well, the thing about a a promise that God gives to us is every promise has to go through a process. And, and, And many times we want to skip over a vital step 
in the process. We want to skip over it, and we want to get to what we visualize in, in our mind. This is, this is Mary and Joseph. I think this is kind of where they, they find themselves here in, in Luke chapter 2. They've given birth to the promise. They've given birth to Jesus. Um, they've had him circumcised, and ain't going to talk about that today. Can I get an amen from the fellas? All right. Ain't going to talk about that today. Woo! All right. And, and they're, they're spending, we believe, about a month or so here in Bethlehem. So they are, they're living in a stable at, at this point, and, and they have a decision to make. See, the law required that they would go to Jerusalem. And, and I, I just have this picture in my mind that Mary's like, yo, Joe, time out. Time out. I know that's what God said. I know that's supposed to be the right thing, but... Man, I'm tired. I'm wore out. My mama is back in Nazareth. I mean, she can help me with the baby. You ain't much help, all right? I know. Come on. Amen, ladies, right? We men, we try. We try with the babies, but we're not as good as you. And so Joe's like, man, this is a good idea. Maybe we have to go home because your mama could really help right now. I'm not, I, I'm changing the diapers of the Savior, and this is very intimidating, okay? So they think, man, we could just go home to Bethlehem. I got to get up on this donkey, and now, I, oh, we got to go to Jerusalem, and, and now I got to go to Jerusalem, and oh, we got to find another place to stay, and, and, and it's just, just grueling. And this thought of, and, and for Mary and Joseph, they didn't skip the process. And so I, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And in your chair backs and on the seats, front row on the floor there, there's some message notes. I want you to write this down. Don't bypass your Jerusalem. Don't bypass your Jerusalem. There is this, here's the thing. There's a process to your promise. Come on, tell three people right now, you got to go through process. You're going to have to go through process. And, and we find this process on the road to Jerusalem. So let's look at Luke 2.22. And it says this, then it was time for their what? Say this with me, what? Purification offering. I'm going to explain that here in just a second. It was required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his, his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So here's what's happening. Mary is considered unclean in the Jewish faith. She was considered unclean, and this this was both physically and spiritually. And so she had to go through a 40 day purification process. So you get the picture here. She is living in a barn for about 30 plus days, going through this purification process before she can go to the temple. This is like, she's got like 40 days to just kind of stop and think about what God is doing. I've been chosen. I have this baby. He's going to be the Messiah of the world. And she's trying to get her heart in the right place, trying to get her mind in the right place, her soul in the right place, and her body in the right place over the course of these 40 days. Here, here's the, the step many people want to skip. You, you have to go through the purification process with God. If God has given you a promise, you've got to purify that promise before God. And I, I think in, in the middle of that purification process, I think a question that, that we all have to ask ourselves is this, what's, what's my motive? What, what's, my, what's my motive? Why... Why do I want to see this promise become a reality in my life? This is the first uh, 
process in a promise. And I, I, w- I would like you to write this down. Three words, okay? Three words I want you to write down. What's my motive? What's my motive? All right? Come on. T- turn to somebody right now and say, what's your motive? What's your motive? Ask them, what's, what's, what's your motive? If, if you know them, if they're family, just look back at them and go, oh, I know your motive, but what's your motive? Like, what's your motive? Like, what is the motive that, that you have? Because there's a tendency, there's a tendency to make the promise about me. And this is about my needs. It's about my desires. It's about what I want in my life. And can I tell you, I think this is the biggest problem in our country today. We live in the most narcissistic society that I think has ever been. Everybody is out for themselves. Everybody's thinking about themselves. I mean, you see that we are divided as a country like 50 50, and everybody's wanting unity, but there won't be any unity because why? Because we're like, well, yeah, I want to walk in unity with you as long as you come over to my side, as long as you do it my way, as long as you think like I think, as long as you do what I do, say what I say, as long as I like what you don't like. If you don't like that, then that's too bad because I want you to like what I like. And so we become very self Centered. And by the way, the, the whole root problem of sin in itself is selfishness. You know, any time we act selfishly, it's sin. You're like, well, I've never sinned. I haven't sinned since 1972. I'm purified by the blood. Hallelujah. Wow. Okay. Good for you. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, what time is it for me? I'm telling you, it's, uh, I mean, they, you act selfishly, it, 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 it's sin. So what's What's your motive? Why do you want that promise to become a reality in your life? Because here's the thing. God has a motive. Did you know God has a motive behind your promise? He has a motive. And here's the difference between God's motives and our motives. God's motives are pure. God's motives are good. God's motives are always 100% of the time holy. God's motives are always 100% of the time just. Have you ever acted that way? I have. I've been holy. I've been good. I've been pure. I've been just. But not 100% of the time. But God, 100% of the time, he has a motive. And and, and Jesus tells us what that motive is. Jesus, when he came and and, and when he grew into a man, John, one of his best friends, writes about a time that Jesus spoke these words in John 14, 13. And Jesus now, as a grown man, says this, you can ask for anything in my name. That's good news right there. You can ask for anything in my name. And in other words, if you are believing God for a promise, you know you can ask God for a promise? I can ask God for financial freedom. I can ask God to mend my marriage. I can ask God to help me to get this degree. I can ask God for a baby. I can ask it, and he says what? I will do it. We'll back up the train just a second, okay? Because he says you got to ask in my name. In, In other words, God will purify your motive for your promise. In that moment, all right, is this for me or why, am I, why do I want this promise? And when you ask for it in the name of Jesus, he comes in, he purifies your motives. He makes them just, he makes them pure, he makes them holy. And here's, here's why God gave you a promise. 
You ever wonder why God gave me ultimately this promise? Here's why he gave it. He said, so that the son can what? Bring glory to the father. Say that with me. He can what? Bring glory to the father. God's ultimate goal is his glory and the glory of his name. God is motivated by his glory. Now, why why would he be motivated by his glory? Because when God is glorified, there's love. When God is glorified, there is peace. There is hope. There is healing. There is joy. There is unity. Why is there not unity in our country? Because we're not one country under God. We can say it in a pledge all we want, but it isn't true anymore. That's why there's no unity. Because there's unity when God is glorified. So so what's your motive? Why do you want that promise? Is it for your glory or is it for God's glory? I mean, just think about the. The, the relationship that you want, that you, there's so much friction in right now. There's all this friction and just banging heads. And do you just want that so that you can just, I can just breathe, man. I just, whew, man, I'm just tired of it. And I just, it's a little piece on me and it'll be good. Is, is, are you, is that your motivation for the reconciliation of the relationship? Or are you motivated so that the other person can be made whole? Are you motivated so that the other person can be, that that they can have peace, that they can have joy, that they can have hope in their life? Because that's the motivation of God. That's when you're doing it for God's God's glory. I mean, if you want, listen, if I I want to have, uh, if I I want that degree or I want a job or I want a, a promotion, I'm believing God for this. Are you doing that so that, man, you know, that way people just check me out. That's who I am. I got, I got it now. Woohoo. See my paper? i tell you about the promotion I got. Is it so that, that you can get some acknowledgement finally? People will notice that you are somebody? Or could you possibly maybe do it just because you want to see God glorified through the platform that he gives to you? That through this platform, I could do good in his name. If you're single and, and you want and you're looking for Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, and you're hoping for that and everything, why are you doing that? Is it, are you doing it just because, well, I, I want to be loved. I, I need to be loved. I mean, check this out. I deserve to be loved. I mean, come on. I'm specifically talking about myself. I mean, come on. This is amazing. Am I doing it so that, did somebody whistle? I don't think I just heard that. That's disturbing. Don't do that. All right. And I know it came from over here. It didn't come over here because it wasn't my wife, so I... But am I doing it, focus, all right? Am I doing it so that, uh, so that I receive love or am I doing it for God's glory that I might have an opportunity to love another human being? And, and, and am, I, am I doing it so that I can love that person and help that person and support that person and I can watch the purposes and plans and destiny of God be made whole in their lives and I can come alongside. Is that why you're doing Is that why you want somebody as a partner for life? Because I can tell you the number one wreck for every marriage is me. I make it about you, you. She ain't loving me. He ain't loving me. And what makes a marriage successful is when I want something for them. I mean, you want financial freedom, don't you? Don't you want financial freedom? 
Man, I, I, I want financial freedom, but do you want financial freedom just because, well, if, if I get some financial freedom, finally I can get that car that I've been wanting. I, I, can, I can get the 4K. I can get, I can get, the, I can get the purse um, with, the, with the coach symbol on it. I mean, I can do it all. I can make it happen. All right? or, or are you motivated uh, by, by, by the glory of God? In other words, if I get financial freedom... I'm going to be able to give back exponentially to God and for his kingdom and for his glory. Like, I, like I, I can give back to places like Abba Center. Like the Christmas offering is coming up. Man, I want to give back to that because of the work they're doing. It's amazing. I want to be a part of that. So, so what's, your, what's your motivation? Are your, what are your motives for it? Don't, don't bypass your Jerusalem. Don't bypass your Jerusalem. Check your motive. So let's look at the, the second process to a promise. Verse 23 is where we find this one. It says, the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be what? Let's say this together. He must be what? Dedicated to the Lord. So this is what Mary and Joseph are doing. They're, they're recognizing that, that this is God's son. Like, this ain't my kid. And they know that I need to go to the temple and I need to symbolically dedicate, give back Jesus to his father. And, and they, so they go and they make this covenant with God. All right, you entrusted me with this child. I'm gonna raise this child and care for this child the way in which you would want me to care for this child. And I recognize that it comes from you. This is why we do um, baby and child dedication. In fact, next Sunday, we're gonna do a baby and child dedication. If your baby or your child has not been dedicated, we can dedicate that child. And in fact, I had somebody after service said, hey, my daughter's 11. Could, could we dedicate her? Yes. If you have a teenager and you've never dedicated your teenager, if they're up for it, I'd ask your teenager first, but uh, if they're up for it... <laughs> They're just in that weird, quirky age. Oh, great, I'm on stage now. And you're holding your teenager? You know, that's kind of awkward. Uh, <laughs> just got a picture of that. Okay, pastor, all right, okay, hurry, get it over with. <laughs> but you can dedicate that child back to God. And, and what we do is we come before God and we come before the church. How many of you have ever dedicated your child? Raise your hand if you ever dedicated your child. Okay, you know, remember that? Remember that covenant? You didn't just make a, you didn't dedicate you made a covenant with God. You stood on the stage, whether it was here or another church, and you said, I covenant with God and his people. I will raise this child in the house of God. Our house will be set apart as a house of God. I will read the word to this child. I will pray over this child. I will be an example to this child because this child does not belong to me. This child belongs to God Almighty, and you gave this child to me as a gift, and I will watch over this child. That's what, that's what baby and child dedication is all about. It's what Mary and Joseph were doing here in verse 23. That's the second process to promise for you. Write this down if you're taking notes. Give it back. Give it back. Come on, tell three people in front of you, behind you, inside of you, give it back. You gotta, you gotta give it back. You gotta give it back. Like when, uh, when I give a promise back to God, what I'm acknowledging is it's his and not mine. I'm just a caretaker. I'm just a caretaker of this 
promise that God has given to me. It's like, um, it's the difference between watching your child and watching someone else's child. Like, I remember when my kids were little and I was like watching football or something and, and um, Laura would come home and she'd go, hey, where are the kids? And I'd go, I don't know. She's like, what do you mean you don't know? I go, well, I don't know. She goes, they're your kids. And I go, I know. So where are they? I don't know. <laughs> but you throw a neighbor kid in the mix or, or a friend drops a child off, you bet you know where that child is at all times, don't you? Like you're watching over that child. Like you could be at the park and your kid's on the merry-go-round going, Wah! I mean, about to fly off of that thing, okay? And the neighbor kid's over on the swing set. Where are you at? You're at the swing set. You don't care about your kid? I just got to get this kid back in one piece to their parents. Because you understand I'm just a caretaker. And when I, when I recognize that the promise belongs to God, I will care for it. When I recognize that the relationship belongs to God, I will care for that relationship. I'll watch what I say. I'll watch what I do. When I understand that the job that I find myself in and that I'm believing God for in my life, I will, I will give it my best every single day because it's a gift from God that I'm even standing and doing this job. No matter what I'm making and no matter what that job is, it is a gift from God, came from him. I'm going to serve him with everything I've got, even in our finances. Man, it's understanding that, man, every, do you know this? Every dime that you have in your pocket came from God, even if you only have a dime in your pocket, it came from God. And listen, when I understand that God gave me 100% of what I have, it ain't nothing to give him 10% back. It ain't nothing. And we see the, this principle throughout Scripture that we give this idea of 10%. It's not a legalistic thing. It's just a, it's an idea of like, this is probably where I should be landing. And, and it's hard to do that when you think it's yours. That's like saying, oh, I'm keeping this kid. You can't have this kid. It's my kid. Give me my kid back. You can't have it. It's my kid. You, you know what? You can have a shirt. That's what you can have, but you can't. It's their kid. It's God's money. And here's the thing. You're like, well, yeah, but I, I'd, man, I'd give it if I had it. You know, a lot of times, I'm not every time, but a lot of times the reason we don't have it is because you're not caring for the money that God gave you. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm not caring for it. And so God looks down and goes, you're like, God, please give me a miracle. Said, Why would I help you? I'm not helping you. Every time I give it, you blow it. No, 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 no. They ain't giving you nothing else. Meanwhile, this person over here is like, all right, God, you gave it all to me. I got to give something back. And, and so, man, I'm going to invest. And I'm looking for opportunities to invest. And I heard something about being a partner to Abba Center. I don't have 25 bucks a month, but I'm going to start giving 25 bucks a month. And I got to figure out a way to do it. I'm going to do it. And, 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 and so they, I'm going to give that money. And like, I'm, all right, so I'm going to, golly, are you kidding me? I'm trying to give this 10% to the church. And then they're going to take a special Christmas offering. And then I got to give $25 a month to Buddy and Alicia. Where am I going to get all this money? Where am I going to get this money? God, this is money. You think God's going to be like, oh, hang on a second here. We, we got a hot one here. We got a hot one. Uh, they are really giving too much. You need to slow it down a little bit. 
No, God sees that and he's like, oh, keep, keep pumping that well. Keep pumping that well. Keep pumping that well. Why? Because he wants a ministry like Buddy and Alicia, the ministry that they have, wants it to be successful, wants to reach people for Jesus. So what he's doing is he's looking through the seats right now is who will be the one who will step up in the game and be counted with the resources that I've given to them. Am I, am I caring for what God gave to me. I've got to give it back. Don't bypass your Jerusalem. Give it back. And here's the thing. When God gives a promise, when God gives a promise, he also commits to be faithful to that promise. So whatever promise he gave you, he also is covenant. You make a covenant with him, he makes a covenant with you. Let me give you an example of this. We find this in the children of Israel. You may know this story, but if you don't, let me, let me tell you about the story. Children of Israel were uh, held slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And, and then finally, uh, God had a promise that one day they were going to go to this promised land. And, and he set them free from slavery. And they were on their way to this promised land, but they found themselves in the middle of a desert. Okay, Talked a little bit about that last week where you find yourself where you don't want to be. And so they're in this desert. And they're like, what is this? And in the middle of that, Moses sees that they're getting a little, you know, upside down. And so Moses in Deuteronomy 7, 9, he says this to the children of Israel on their way to their promise. He says this, he is the what? Come on, everybody, he's the what? Faithful God. He is the faithful God. That's all you need today for some of you. He is faithful. He will always be faithful. Not only that, but he keeps his covenant for what? A thousand generations. This is who our God is. He lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. It's, it's his promise. He gave it to you. He will be faithful to keep his part of the bargain. He will complete the promise. So don't bypass your Jerusalem. Give it back. All right, one more. One more. Verse 24. One more process to the promise. So they're in Jerusalem, and it says this. They offered, oh, here it is, the sacrifice. Oh, oh, here it is right there. Wow, we were almost out of here on a high note, weren't we? Sacrifice. They offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So, so here's the thing. Mary and Joseph, what Mary and Joseph did is they brought two turtle doves because they could not afford a partridge in a pear tree. Huh? Oh, that was way better than you guys are giving me credit for. You're all looking at me. Some of y'all looking at me like, I can't believe he just said that. I'm stealing it, and I'm going to use it. But... Uh, <laughs> I've been working on that. I've been holding that all week. I've been waiting for the moment. It's like, that's good. That is really good. I'm just having a moment. I'm just laughing to myself up here. Couldn't afford a partridge in a pear tree. All right. Here's the thing. Your dream is going to cost you something. Your dream is going to cost you something, and you've got to be willing to sacrifice. So here is the final process to the promise. Three more words that I want you to write down, and this is it. Do the work. Do 
the work. Come on, tell somebody, do the work. You're gonna have to do the work. Ladies, this is a chance to tell your man, do the work. You heard the preacher, do the work. Like that wallpaper I took down, it wasn't gonna fall off the wall. I mean, I had to get in there, I had to do the work. I mean, and it was not, I was reading every hack there ever was. I was, I was ironing the wallpaper at one point. I was taking fabric softener and just throwing it on the wall, and it was not coming off. I mean, my hands felt fantastic and soft and gentle, but nothing was coming off of the wall. I had to dismantle the entire toilet. I had to take the back off of it. I'm down on the ground like this, and if I'm lying, I'm dying. This is the truth of God Almighty. I got the whole toilet apart. I have one swatch about this big left to get off, and from behind me, I hear Laura, and she says, would you like my help? (laughs) Really? Because I can just put this wallpaper back up. You're going to have to... (laughs) You're going to have to do the work. What does that mean? You want your marriage to be reconciled? Guess what? You might have to go to counseling. You might actually have to pay for it. I was talking to somebody just yesterday, and I I found out that she she was wanting to go to counseling, but her husband didn't want to go to counseling, and they ended up getting divorced. She wouldn't go to counseling. You might have to, you know, Go on a date night. You might have to hire a sitter. We don't have the money. Figure out a way. Get a side job. I don't care. Figure out a way. Get out on a date with your spouse. You're going to have to do the work. Listen, you want the degree? You want the diploma? You're going to have to sign up. You're going to have to eat broke food, drive the $500 car, and study when nobody else wants to study. It's gonna, you're going to have to do the work. If you want financial freedom, you're going to have to what? Do the work. What does that mean? You may not be able to buy a frappuccino. Oh, now I'm preaching. <laughs> you might have to get out that little piece of plastic and some scissors and go clip, clip, clip. You might have to cut the cable. You got to do the work. Because there's a process to the promise.